Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. I'm Jay Boisseau, the founder and executive director of the Austin Forum. I am Heather Bishop, the managing director of the Austin Forum. And I'm John Lockman, a longtime member and technical director. And I am Delaney Majors. I help out at the Austin Forum with events, but I'm completely remote here in Dallas. Um, so the Dallas portion of the Austin Forum. <laughs> and we have other people on the team as well, but the four of us are here today uh, without a guest because we want to share some things with our audience. And specifically, we want to talk today about lessons for remote events and for hybrid events that have a remote component. Um, some First, some context for the Austin Forum. Probably most of you already know what it is, and that's why you're a listener. But if you're new to this podcast, the Austin Forum on Technology and Society started as a monthly in-person event, drawing hundreds of people every month to learn about technology topics and the influence of those technologies on society. It could be on business or government or education or research or multiple ways, but it's always a technology and society intersection topic. With the pandemic, of course, we had to make a decision. Did we continue our in-person events? That was an easy no. <laughs> Did we pause our in-person events until whenever this weird pandemic thing might end without knowing how long that would be? Or do we make the transition to go online and use technology such as Zoom to continue the education part to try to facilitate networking and to sustain a community that we'd built over many years? So obviously we decided to go online, have our events be remote. More recently, we've had events that are in-person, remote, or hybrid as the pandemic conditions are changing and we're moving into a more, how do we tolerate it, endemic phase of this pandemic. But today we're going to share what we've learned over two years of executing remote events and now hybrid events. And again, our events are about sharing information, about increasing awareness, understanding, and advocacy for technology topics. So they're very educational and informational and then another aspect is the networking component. So what we say today, much of it should be useful for lots of remote and hybrid events. Some of it may be geared a little bit more towards events of our purpose type. So with that, are we all ready to share and converse? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. Great. Well, we've, uh, we've got a whole bunch of remote events under our belts, and we've got a handful of hybrid events under our belts. Um, let's start with our listeners hearing some pluses right away. What have we learned that works? Putting it out on the internet has grown our user base immensely. That is something that has worked in a way that we didn't expect it to. Um, you know, it was pretty regular that we'd see one, 200, sometimes 300 at a, at a big event. Uh, when we were doing them in person pre-pandemic, um, we hit those numbers all the time and more uh, in our online events. And we're able to hold more events uh, when we're doing them online or, or in a hybrid space because we're not, you know, renting a, a, a venue and, and, and going through all of that. So it's actually kind of in one way has allowed us to expand um, our message. 
Absolutely. We're allowed to reach more people. We're able to reach more people with a lot more information and have more, have actually even more events. So um, that has definitely been very successful. I think just even from a logistics standpoint, and it seems obvious, but the fact that Zoom works, you know, coming from someone who works, has done a lot of online virtual hybrid events and looked into, you know, getting different softwares, especially for, you know, big conferences and all these things. Um, sure, you can do that. But at the end of the day, if you're doing a relatively um, straightforward event, like Zoom's going to have what you need and, and you don't have to make things logistically harder on yourself for no reason when it comes to actually executing. Yeah, I think we're using Zoom as a euphemism for all of these uh, collaborative online technologies. It's I think Zoom has become like the term Band-Aid almost for uh, the brand name being the, the class name. But um, we've definitely found that using these kinds of technologies such as Zoom, we can hold events at a greater cost effectiveness, hold events that many more people from other areas can attend. Um, and it puts everybody, we can actually structure events where people can provide feedback in a different way than they can in in-person events. And so I think we've seen a number of pluses. Our reach has grown. We have more people on our mailing list than ever before. Um, we have people from non-Austin locations that uh, don't have to travel to tune in. And uh, we've actually been able to create second events per month and sometimes a third event per month because we're not paying venue and refreshment charges for the second and third events, just the Zoom license. So, so that's, I think that's been our, our biggest successes. Um, any other things you wanna share that you think have worked really well in our remote or hybrid approaches? The networking aspect has been really different in the, you know, the online and remote. Um, I think, you know, we had techniques, you know, icebreakers and things to get people to, to chat at in-person events. Um, but you, you know, that in a, in a group of a hundred, 200 people, not everybody is going to meet every other person. Um, the online version, uh, you know, whether it's zoom or teams or whatever allows that kind of self-introduction people can, can give a shout out and say, Hey, I'm this person. You can come check out my LinkedIn or my, my homepage. Um, and, and I think that's, that was kind of neat in, in the hybrid and remote sense that I think while you're missing that person to person networking piece, it kind of expanded that you're able to look at a lot more of the people in the, in the group at, at once. I also think kind of like in that same light of, you know, us, the Austin Forum having a larger reach in general with online events, each participant, each attendee um, kind of has a further reach in their networking as well, because, you know, at an event, it's one on one, you might meet five people, give them your card, 10 people, however many. Um, and with this whole, you know, chat thing we've been talking about, um, when they put out their LinkedIn in the chat, it goes to 200 people. So it, it kind of, in a way, expands their personal reach as well and opportunity, um, which is kind of interesting that everybody's expanding their reach. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're connecting online in a, you know, in a virtual space. So it kind of makes it a lot easier to continue to connect after the meeting too. Um, you know, whereas you might meet somebody in person and, and exchange a business card, um, you know, seeing them again, maybe you see them at the next event. I, I really like that point. And I liked your phrasing of it, Delaney. It allows the individuals who attend 
to expand their reach as well. It's maybe not a, as deep a connection as you might get from cornering somebody in a networking session for five, 15, 30 minutes, but it does give you the ability to share who you are, what you're interested in, the kind of connections you'd like to make and how to connect to you to every other attendee in the online session. And so I like that phrase, it expands as the individual attendees reach as well as our programmatic reach to more people. I also think it helps, you know, the introverts of the world a little bit. Um, it's a lot less intimidating to cold, put yourself out there online. You can just be like, hey, here's my LinkedIn if anybody wants to connect <laughs> versus having to like cold walk into a room of an event, not know anybody and have to go up and like face-to-face shake someone's hand, say, hello, I'm Delaney. I do this, that, and the other. Um, so for the people with kind of a, a social, you know, fears in that sense, it, it, it's a little bit less risky, so to speak. So we give, a, I feel like we kind of can pull the introverts into conversing in the chat easier than, uh, than in person to a certain extent. Yeah, I think I, I think I witnessed that too in uh, in a couple of conferences that I went to in the past two years. Um, one particular, the uh, Beowulf Bash, that's a part of the supercomputing conference, and they used breakout rooms uh, for specific topics. It was their their you know their conference is really a party, and so it was an online gathering of uh, all of us supercomputing uh, nerds and geeks, and. They were like, well, okay, this is fun. We can have a little presentation. We can talk about everything. But really, we know that these folks like to talk in smaller groups. So they made small breakout rooms for each kind of lead topic. And I think, like you said, Delaney, it really helped. It helped a lot of people just to be, well, I'm more I'm more comfortable with having a voice because I didn't have to physically go into this room and talk to these people. I can just turn my microphone on and and let my opinions fly. And that was really great. Yeah, and we've seen that in our Austin Forum events. We Our main event is a presentation event, and so we use the webinar format for that. But our secondary events, have, we've used the meeting format where uh, everybody might be muted by default just so the moderator can make statements without interruption. But, but at that point, everybody can contribute. So we have a different meeting type than was possible in our you know sort of sage on stage in-person events. We have added event types where we encourage, in fact, we, we call them discussions. And we encourage not just the lead moderator to speak, but anyone at the event to speak. And it's allowed us to, to create events like book online book clubs. Turns out they work really, really well. And people feel more comfortable in that, con- in that context, sharing what they thought about the book. And so now the book club is one of our format types for our discussion groups. And so that's, that's worked really well. Yeah. I mean, it's expanded a lot more than just, just the Austin forum monthly series now, right? There's, there's whiskey chats. There was uh, AI in April um, with, I don't know, the first time we did that, it was a crazy number of events. Um, <laughs> last, last April, it was four or five, you know, we I trimmed we it down four or five events in AI April last year. <laughs> Zoom made those possible. Yeah. I was surprised that a whiskey chat works online, but it does. And people seem comfortable and at ease in their own home with their their glass of whiskey, talking about whiskey and technology and society. And uh, that that works surprisingly well. That was one of the, the fun new event types that we gambled on. We tried and it worked online. It's a very safe event. Nobody has to drive. Everybody's already home. You're already in your comfy chair. 
That's right. Um, what if we learn the hard way? I mean, we mentioned some successes there that we can have different event types. We can put everybody on more equal footing, that introverts maybe feel in some cases more comfortable with these online events, that we can reach people without the disadvantages of traffic and congestion and things like that. Um, what have we kind of learned the hard way in this? We have definitely learned the importance of always having a backup plan for emergencies. You, you might have a, a technical issue or a technical glitch uh, that comes up, and it's always best to anticipate what might happen and to have a backup plan ready to go just in case. Uh, and we have, un- we, you know, for better or for worse, we have learned that the hard way. Yeah, uh, the technology is always a hard part. Uh, what do we learn the hard way? Um, hybrid is really hard if you're going to try to have a speaker be hybrid. Um, so having an in-person session, a remote speaker and an on-stage speaker can create an immensely hard audio problem. Um, that's, that was one that we were like, okay, this is definitely hard. It looks great on TV when you do it with a studio and a full production group, when it's, you know, our, uh, our, our ragtag handful of handful of volunteers, it makes it a lot harder. (laughs) Well, I think our volunteers are more than ragtag, but. Yes, we're awesomely ragtag. We're awesomely right. It's our it's our AV that's a little bit ragtag. And John, that's a great point. We've learned really that having a hybrid audience is pretty straightforward, especially in presentation events where where they're they're listening, not speaking. But having hybrid contributors, hybrid speakers requires getting all the AV set up just right, so that you're not getting feedback, that you're getting balance levels requires a lot more AV gear than a standard Zoom meeting to really have hybrid contributors in a uh, event. I also think something that can trip, you know, we're talking about this AV situation and I think, and just the logistics of hybrid and virtual, but especially hybrid, um, I think something that comes into play is a lot of these venues aren't fully equipped to do hybrid yet. You know, they haven't tested it out that much. I feel like the world has caught up and realized, okay, we have to do hybrid events. That's part of it now. But that's something I've definitely noticed as like an event professional and starting to, you know, think, okay, we're going to do this hybrid. Are we going to do this just strictly in person? A lot of these venues just aren't, they haven't fully caught up with the hybrid you know, necessities. And so the AV isn't, you know, necessarily ideal for a hybrid situation. So that's definitely been a challenge as, you know, the world shifts to hybrid is getting these venues caught up too. Delaney, that is a great point. The the tools that we use to communicate face-to-face like FaceTime or Skype, individual to individual, video to video, they've been around for a long time and they're quite polished. The tools that we use to have many people collaborate over video have been around for a reasonably long time. They were a little rough at the beginning of the pandemic. They they all worked and Google Meet and Zoom and other tools. But we did see a lot of upgrades in those tools as soon as everybody was forced to start using them in roughly March 2020 here in the U.S. Um, Suddenly, everybody There were security issues, there were reliability issues, but those tools got better fast. But in hybrid, we we didn't have hybrid. We had, you know, in-person, then we had online. Now we have hybrid. So we're really at the beginning days 
of this. And I've noticed some people have just gone back to in-person from online for good reasons. They want to see each other and shake hands and things. But I have not seen a lot of entities try what we're doing, which is to try to be great at hybrid. And even we know we can't be great yet at hybrid presenters, but we're doing better at hybrid for, for hybrid audiences. But you're right. Um, a lot of folks just, they're not set up for it. The tools aren't set up for it. The venues aren't set up for it. And that's going to be the, the ultimate prize to let everybody participate how they want. But the challenges of making everybody feel equal in that environment and having the AV work well for hybrid speakers and participants, I, I, I suspect we're probably a, at least a year or two away from that. Another point, and I'm not so much I'm not so sure that we learned quote unquote the hard way, but we learned along with everybody else that you have to be ready to pivot. And to that end, cross-training everyone on the team. We have, you know, a, a small team, but a mighty team, and making sure that everyone knows how to do multiple things. We have had situations where it's like, hey, Delaney, can you do this? I normally do it, but I have had something come up where I'm not going to be available. Why not? Can you handle this thing? Or I've had to step in and take on a role for someone else. And I think a lot of people have experienced that. And I think just the importance of being flexible and the importance of pivoting and adjusting your plan, um, that's something that we've definitely learned. I don't know that it was quote unquote hard, but it is a very important lesson that we learned that I think a lot of people learned as well. I agree with all of that, except that I thought it was hard. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it was still hard. (laughs) uh, I mean, but that's true in life, right? If you have to pick up a different role at the last second while trying to execute something and look professional for all the people you've invited into your event. And fair. Yes. The good news is we as a team take that very seriously. We're very Priya Parker, the art of gathering in our mindset about the honor of hosting people and the responsibility that you have to them. And, you know, if anyone hasn't listening, hasn't read that book, which was written before the pandemic, um, the ideas in it are equally applicable to any event, including online events, because you're still inviting people to something and they're giving up their time and honoring you with that. And you have to honor them by executing a great event and making it, making it worth their time. And, Heather, I really loved your point about backup plans and backup tech. I mean, we're the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. We're all tech savvy and technology is great, except when it's not. And there are always little hiccups. And so having backup equipment and, and testing equipment beforehand, and some of which we've done well and sometimes not as well as we should have. Um, so definitely a lesson. Just don't always believe that you can open up the laptop, fire up the client, and everything is going to go right. Test sound, test pictures. If there's one thing we've definitely learned about not just Zoom, but all of the uh, streaming platforms is they're resource hogs. They want the biggest, beefiest machine that you can throw at them. And if you're going to, if you're going to run a, 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 you know, something that you want to want to rely on, you're, you're not just going to use the cheap laptop. Uh, As we did learn, um, not the hard way. We tried it and said, Hey, this is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. 
if All something right. can go wrong, it will go wrong. That's that's kind exactly. of like a viewpoint you have to have, like going into a, a virtual hybrid, even just plain in person event. Um, maybe that's cynical of me, but I feel like that's gotten me pretty far as far as events go. Um, but something I feel like I learned, maybe not the hard way, but the annoying way. And I will preface this, you know, with as Jay was saying, the art of gathering. And it truly is an honor to host all the people that come to the Austin Forum and bring them in and, you know, put on this great event and converse and network and all those sorts of things. Um, but something we have learned the hard way is just getting across our communications and like process to attendees. Um, just because, and like rightfully so, like I don't either, like people don't read things, people don't, you know, look at what the full email says. And when you are online or when you are hybrid, um, your user experience goes from, you know, signing up, the check-in process, walking into the building, finding your seat. That's no longer the user experience. The user experience is you know, logging in, figuring out how to join the Zoom, finding the link instead of finding the building. Um, and when, you know, you're in person, you can have signs and you can walk, you know, put the sign where people can't miss it, directionals, all those sorts of things, where in virtual, you have to put it in your on in your communications online. Um, and it's just definitely have learned the best way to be really thorough about that and get those communications across so everybody knows where they're going. Because at the end of the day, you do want them to have a really seamless, easy user experience. Well, I would I echo all that. And I would say maybe what I've learned the most is that every remote and hybrid event, especially for a large number of people, should have a Delaney. Because Delaney, you are <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely. Dealing with all of those questions that people ask because they didn't read the instructions. <laughs> they, they didn't read the website. They and didn't read the confirmation. And yes, we're all guilty of it. So um, yeah, I, all that one together. Realize, I didn't realize you needed a, you know, a, a, you know, help support person on every conference Absolutely. call, right? And it, it is immensely helpful, isn't it? It is great. Towards that end, I think realizing that it's always going to happen. At every event, you're going to have someone who um, for, forgot a link or didn't see this. Or, and again, again, it does happen to all of us. Realizing that some people, people deal with that very differently. Some people are very polite and, and easygoing about it, and other people are very frustrated. And so remembering um, that that is a learning process for, for the person and um, really remembering that you're dealing with someone who wants to be there and is frustrated uh, and, and always making sure that you're very polite and respectful and, and kind in responding to them. Because when you have, you know, five or six people in a row who are very frustrated because they can't find something or they didn't read something, um, you want to make sure that you're always ready and, and, and friendly and, and respectful and kind in your response. And that's where you have someone like Delaney, who's like, Hey, no problem. Got your answer right here. Um, and, and that's something that can be challenging because not everyone has the ability to navigate that well. Yeah. And Heather, you are excellent at that at the in-person part as well as online. So really, everybody needs a Heather at the in-person part of their event, a Delaney at the online part of their event. And, and I don't mean my Heather and Delaney. You can't have those. <laughs> but I mean somebody like them. I will say just kind of like as like a 
kind of on this note, maybe I guess like a tip, it's just so helpful to have all these like pre pre-written out um, yes. answers to what you predict are going to be the like FAQs, what you predict are going to be the problems, go ahead and have it like all written out and ready. So that way, when somebody's like, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't find the link. You like, you literally copy paste versus typing in, hi, like, here's the link. Let me know if any other issues. Yes, that's a short sentence, but the seconds you save in the copy paste is so helpful, especially the virtual or hybrid event where things are moving so quickly. So to have everything just like teed up and ready to go um, is very, very helpful. Yep. Because these are things that are going to happen and knowing in advance that you, like she said, that the FAQs, knowing that you have common questions that are just always going to happen because these are things that happen in the world. Um, it, it just makes for a pleasant, more pleasant experience for both the person, both the user and for you as someone putting on the event. I, well, I think with John's dedication to making the technology work, even if he has to wrangle it and Delaney's dedication to uh, making sure everybody online feels important, is informed, is informed accurately and precisely. And Heather, your general angelic nature and unlimited patience. Um, I, I think these are things that are critical for every event type, but they have been hugely important in our online and hybrid events. But I'm now I'm going to ask you, uh, or actually all of us, to contribute um, two more answers. What is one thing that you think we haven't learned yet that we will here in 2022? We're going to find a better solution for in the in the second half of this year. I I don't know if it's that I think we will learn it. I hope we learn it because it's kind of in the vein of like the whole venue thing where like venues just aren't caught up. And so it does make it really difficult to do like a panel where one of the panelists is in person and one is virtual. So I hope that the tech at venues and just venues in general do catch up to give us that opportunity to really, you know, do a panel where one person's in person, one person's virtual. Um, I'd like to see that open up other opportunities for not just us, but any event coordinator. And to be clear, you mean you're mixing presenters who are hybrid and in uh, remote and in the right. room in audiences, yeah. and you're getting all the audio levels, right? For right. That's right. That's, that's my number one. You know, I, I'd love to be able to have an event where I have two people on stage and, you know, one person in Poughkeepsie and another person in LA and, you know, accommodate for the time zones, accommodate for the audio and just have it go boom, boom, boom. Perfect. That's, that's my ultimate goal. That's, that's what I'd like to see happen. Poughkeepsie. Did you work for IBM at one point, Heather? <laughs> I had a lot of friends who did. <laughs> um, you know, the, Having a remote presenter and an on-site presenter, definitely a challenge. But, you know, we also haven't learned is how to allow the remote attendees to network with the in-person attendees. Yeah. We, had, we had spitballed a bunch of really funny ideas like, hey, let's just put a big screen over there with them and people can just walk up and wave. You know, it, it, coming up with, a you know, something that works is really hard. Something that's silly. Sure, we could have little you know, demolition man robots walking around with iPads that have people's faces on it or something. But 
we haven't figured out how to do that. And that's something I would like to like to figure out one day. Is, is, nice. can, we, can we learn how to connect all of our attendees, whether they're there or not? I, that's a great one. And uh, God, these, these are, you, you all have, have addressed my, uh, what I'd like to learn next. I totally agree with being able to execute hybrid events with hybrid presenters and speakers seamlessly. And especially uh, the networking, how to integrate hybrid networking. And uh, we have in the Austin Forum, we were great at in-person networking, and we're pretty good at online networking in the discussion group format. But that is that has been a real challenge for figuring out how to do large-scale hybrid networking after a larger event. Um, hopefully, we'll figure that one out this year. Let me ask you in closing: What's your top recommendation for any listeners out there that are Maybe they're doing events like our big presentation events, or maybe they're doing uh, online meetings, which they certainly are at work. Um, they're doing more discussion events, book clubs, or you know, wine tastings or whatnot. What do you? What's your top recommendation for online and or hybrid events? So, I would say really listen for feedback. You're going to have people who are going to be 100% unhappy after every event. You're going to have people who are going to be happy after every event. So your best feedback is going to come from in the middle. People who are there and who have actual constructive feedback, um, they like some things, they're really not as happy about other things, and they have kind of constructive, thoughtful things to say. Because you're people who are, you're going to have people on both extremes, never happy, always happy. So really listen to your feedback that comes from the middle. I would say I have, I have two. When it comes to just virtual events, and I don't know how applicable this is going to be to everyone. Um, as background, I was a broadcast journalism major, but I feel like what helps me execute online events really well is treating it like a news broadcast. Think of it like a live news broadcast and treat it like that. And I I've, I feel like that's really helped me, you know, execute on these and kind of puts them into a viewpoint that is a little bit more familiar than, you know, just online events. Ooh, this is like scary. We've never done this before. Um, where at least I feel like everybody for, uh, has watched a live news broadcast, you know, they, they can kind of conceptualize that a little bit better. So that's helped me. And then as far as hybrid events go, and I think this is so important and everybody has to do this. And this is how you're going to end up with successful in-person and virtual and overall like hybrid event is treating both aspects of it, the virtual and the in-person, like two separate events and have someone on the floor in person who is, you know, really acting as the coordinator, acting as, you know, the man on the ground there to manage everything. And then also having someone online, on the computer, and acting as the coordinator as far as the virtual aspect goes. You really do have to treat both of these. When you're doing hybrid, you have to treat it as two separate events as far as execution goes. Of course, you want everybody to come together in one event, but when it comes to logistics and actually making it happen as a team, treat it as two separate events and have two separate people managing. I like that. Um... I think recommendations for both online and hybrid is if you can afford it by the tech and stick with the tech that works that you've tested. There's a, we've been playing with a ton of different 
conference apps and different ways to gather that have all come out post pandemic. Um, but there's a few tried and true tools that we've used that work great. And I think, you know, if you find one that you, that you've had success with, you know, stick with it. Um, don't try, don't keep bouncing around. Um, and on the hardware, buy the tech when you can. Yeah, I, those are all great recommendations. My closing recommendation is going to echo Delaney with a twist. Um, I certainly think the execution team has to pay attention to executing the online portion and executing the in-person portion. And I think that we've gotten to, to a point where we do that really well. My twist is whenever you can find ways to put both groups on equal footing from their perspective. So we have one way for everybody to submit questions during a presentation, not two different ways. And since we give away a pretty big prize, a badge for South by Southwest, we don't want to have the in-person or online people feel disadvantaged in that. And that's just one example. But I, I think we do a pretty good job of telling both audiences, however they're participating, they are welcome, that we are trying to make the best experience for them, whatever their choice. And over time, we hope to integrate those experiences more and more. It does depend on the tech and the facility. It depends on the advances in some of the software applications that are out there. There's some things we don't know how to do yet, like hybridize the networking between people standing around the, the cash bar versus people online. But our overall intent is to respect them all, welcome them all, and over time, integrate wherever we can, and then it brings some extra value to them. So. Um, this is a great conversation, guys. Thank you all, as always, for being part of the Austin Forum team. I, I love the team that we've developed here. And, you know, we have a couple of other people on it that aren't with us on this podcast. It's a great group. The audiences that come are so passionate and fantastic and interested and appreciative of, of what we do. And I hope we really build up the listener base for this podcast now that we're going weekly with the, this podcast as well. So, um, if you have ideas for online or hybrid events, please send them to us at the Austin Forum by emailing them to info at austinforum.org. We would love to hear your ideas for how we can make even better online and hybrid events. And we'll probably write a blog post about this for the Austin Forum update, our blog counterpart to the Austin Forum upload podcast. Uh, and we'll probably put that uh, blog post together here in the next several weeks. So if you've got ideas, please let us know about that. And with that, I guess we can wrap it up. Thanks, guys, for uh, Thank sharing you. your thoughts today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.